Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Ministries podcast. My name is Mark Taylor and I'm the adult discipleship pastor here at Brookwood. The message you're about to hear was given by J.C. Thompson on the subject of hearing God. It was recorded at the Men's Connecting Point at Brookwood. We pray this is really helpful for your journey. Well, I am very humbled to be here. Thank you so much for uh, giving me the opportunity. You know, Mark had kind of asked for some teachers um, a couple weeks ago uh, during the service, and I said, man, I'd love to teach. Uh, Obviously, I I enjoy doing this. What what do you need me to teach? And he said, what are you passionate about? I said, I'm really passionate about helping people learn how to hear God, know his voice, know who he is, uh, and I'd love to talk about that. And he said, well, how about, how about in October? Or how, originally in September. <laughs> I said, yeah, I'd love to. And then a storm came and, uh, you know, wiped, wiped a bunch of stuff out in South Carolina, and so everything got canceled. Uh, and so I'm, I'm happy to be here tonight. I'm humbled that they let me come and, and play with the big boys and not just uh, talk to the kids. Um, so thank, thanks for that opportunity. Uh, I want to start, first of all, just by sharing a little bit of my story. You know, a lot of times we get and kind of talk through content when we're up here teaching adults, but I'll just tell you, I I came to Christ as a kid. Uh, I did not come to Christ in a church service. Uh, I did not come to Christ because someone led me to the Lord. I I came to Christ in my bedroom, in my home uh, as as a kid, and I heard God speak to me. I heard him say, JC, I love you. Now, to you, that may be, uh, maybe, you know, maybe as a kid, I had something bad to eat. Maybe I had had a a weird uh, conversation with somebody, you know, maybe something had upset me, but I did what I knew how to do because I was in church. I I prayed and I asked Jesus into my heart. I got up, I ran into my parents' bedroom. My mom was taking us to church all the time. If we were doing something special, my dad would show up, but my dad was raised Roman Catholic. Uh, and so when I went into the bedroom and I said, hey, God just spoke to me and I, I gave my life to him. What do I do? Uh, my mom was overjoyed. My dad was confused. I remember the look on his face uh, to this day. I'm, I'm thankful to God that uh, God used that in my dad's life. He's a follower of Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm so thankful for that. But I, I remember him looking at me going, What? What do you mean God just spoke to you? And I, I think what is interesting to me, and, and it's, it's cool, it's a cool place that I get to be in as a, as a young man trying to help some folks really know God, uh, it's almost like you're seen as some sort of mystical creature because you, you, know, you hear God sometimes, and it's almost as if it's confusing to people. I, I didn't know anything different. I didn't know there was a particular pattern or or study or anything like that. It really wasn't until later that I started to read more God's Word that I went, oh, this is normal life. This this seems like something that would happen on on a regular basis with people who followed God. Uh, And then as I got more involved in church, what I kind of figured out the older that I got was that doesn't seem to be the regular case with people that go to church all the time. And I, I remember being a teenager specifically and going, how, how, what do I do with these two things? I read scripture and I hear people that talk with God. They walk with God. They obey God's voice. God has a plan and a pathway. They were scared just like human beings today. I mean, the story of Gideon freaked out by what God had asked him to do. And then he, he was initially freaked out. Then God freaked him out anymore. Oh, you're super confident, huh? All right, let me take the rest of your confidence away. 
It's not different. I mean, we're human beings. We're men. We want to be brave. We want to be courageous. We want to have a mission in our life that we can follow. And sometimes it seems like when you're in church, there are people around you, they, they, they're just kind of playing a game. And to me, that was not my experience growing up. And so uh, I'm, I'm excited to share this topic with you, but more than just, uh, more than just talking about it, uh, I'm a man. I, I, I love talking about football. I even like watching football. But if you give me a football, I'd much rather go outside and throw it around with somebody. Uh, and so tonight, I've, I've given you a couple sheets for you. Tonight, when we're done, I, I want to give you an opportunity to practice hearing from God. Uh, and there are three different exercises. We made it really simple because uh, I have a hard time keeping track of my paperwork sometimes. So there are different colors. So just do the blue one or the yellow one or, or, or the green one and, and you'll be good. Uh, but we're going to talk about what it means to hear from God. But first of all, have you ever met anybody that knows God? And I don't mean knows about God. They can tell you their stat sheet. They can, you know, they can tell, they can tell you all the Bible stories, but it's like when they, when they walk, when they talk, when they spend time with their family, when they spend time with you, it's like they're on a different place. It's like they're in a different planet. And maybe that's you. Maybe you get the opportunity to be with people and go, hey, God's got a bigger story for you than this. There's a difference between what Perry's been talking about and trying to teach us is there's a huge difference between knowing about God and knowing God. And my encouragement for you tonight will not be get it right, figure it out. My encouragement for you tonight will just be take some time to practice uh, and get around somebody who knows God. Get around somebody who's loving people the right way, who's, who's living life on mission. Uh, so I, I'm excited to, to be able to talk to you about this subject. Uh, we've got a little bit of an outline tonight. Uh, I'm going to try not to speak for too long, but if you have heard me speak on a regular basis in student ministry, you know sometimes I have an issue with that. So I'm going to try and get through our information and at the same time hopefully help you uh, all of us as we try and take next steps towards knowing God. Uh, so I want to, first of all, say this to you. I, I want to know in you, do you have a desire to know God more? I mean, a real desire. Now, I, I, I love the fact that Michael tonight talked about just this desire to know our spouse. I, as, as sometimes I, I feel like I'm a little kid. Even one of my buddies tonight said, you look like a little kid back there. Uh, I've been married for 10 years. Uh, I knew my wife. We dated for four and a half years before that. Uh, we dated long distance. And when I say long distance, please remember, I, I know you guys know this in this room, but when I talk to students about this, they don't understand this. But like, we didn't have like video chat or, uh, you know, text message. You had to like hit the eight button like five times to get to the one letter, right? So we would have to call people. But her long distance, she lived in Argentina for a year. Uh, and so I was in Memphis, Tennessee. She was living in Argentina. And I can just tell you, it, my personality is if I want something, I go for it, okay? I, I take some steps and I, I try and achieve that goal. And I tried calling my girlfriend at the time in Argentina several times because I wanted to get to know her and make sure there wasn't some guy in Argentina trying to get to meet her. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I wanted to call her. I, I remember the desire in me just to know her better and to know her more. And then I realized that I had to pay for that cell phone bill when I was calling Argentina. And that was a significant cost uh, associated with me wanting to know 
my future wife, my future spouse. There's a cost associated with knowing God. It doesn't just happen. You know, it's not something that just occurs. And so I don't want to beat you down with get it right, spend more time with God. You guys hear that in a million different places, okay? I I don't desire to do that tonight. But what I will make sure that you understand is that there is a cost associated with knowing God. There's an absolute cost. Uh, And I would love to tell you that it gets easier. I don't know that it gets easier. I know that it gets more joyful. Uh, I also know that it gets more difficult emotionally sometimes. Uh, If you don't know my story, uh, we had Cannon, our five-year-old son. We had a miscarriage after Cannon. uh, And for whatever reason, we haven't been able to get pregnant again, uh, which has been super fun as a man not being able to fix something. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, let me just tell you. So we've been praying and asking God what to do and became foster parents uh, almost two years ago. And we've got our fourth foster child now in our home uh, and hoping to one day adopt him. But I will just tell you, there's a cost associated with following God. And just because you accept and, and follow Jesus doesn't mean life's going to be easy. But I do think that it's going to be fun. And I think it's going to be filled with joy And it's this dichotomy of emotions sometimes that you just don't understand. How can I be suffering so much and yet feel so much joy? Uh, It's an interesting thing. I think the goal that God had for us in this life is to know him. There's several pieces of scripture that talk about this, but the one I want to highlight is John 17, 3, which just says this, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the one and only true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. John 17, three, the way to have eternal life is to know you, the one and only true God and Jesus Christ, the one who you sent to earth. See, this idea about hearing God is not mystical, but it is about a relationship. From the beginning of time, God did not need anything. He didn't need anything. He didn't need us He didn't need animals. He didn't need any of this stuff that we have here on planet Earth. He created us to enjoy Him. He basically created us so that we would look at Him, we would find satisfaction in Him, we would enjoy life with God, not knowing anything else. And Adam and Eve came to the planet, and they walked with God. They had relationship with God. And we know in Genesis 3 that when they sinned, that relationship was broken. And so even this idea of hearing God, it's, it's more difficult than it was originally intended. God intended for us to walk alongside Him and have no shame and no guilt and no fear, but to talk with Him and hear from Him and learn from Him and grow with Him. And so we find ourselves today knowing that the goal is to know God and finding ourselves in a difficult place of trying to figure out how do we do that? How how can we know God? How can we hear his voice? See, Jesus Christ came to the earth. God knew that, uh, you know, the, the whole story of the Bible is one of my favorite things to talk about. But so many people heard from God, wrote it down, were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write down the very words of God. We have the scriptures that tell us what God's word, what his plan is, who he is to us. But that wasn't enough for God. God then sent his son, Jesus Christ. God himself come to earth 
to show human beings who God is. Jesus lived his life, and one of the things that he taught his disciples was this, and it comes from John 15, verses 13 through 15. Greater love hath no man than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And then Jesus said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus calls us friend. Now, all of us have a boss, whether we own our company or not, we all have a boss, okay? The idea that our boss would be our friend and yet still be an unbelievably excellent boss is very difficult to understand, right? We probably all had a boss who was a friend, but he may have been a bad boss. And then we've also had some bosses who didn't want to be your friend. They're a pretty good boss, right? And so God is both Lord, boss of everything, and yet still desires for us to know him as friend. My hope would be for you guys tonight that your picture of God would grow. Your picture of who God is, who Jesus Christ is, would grow. Because not only was God starting with his word, then he sent his son, and then God sent his spirit to dwell in us. And I don't know if you can see this. If I, if I had a, a horrible drawing that I would draw myself in front of you, I would have God outside of time and space... And then I'd have Jesus Christ walking with us, and then I'd have the Holy Spirit inside of us. God has continually moved closer to human beings. You know, I I think this is so interesting because I I think that when we read the Bible, I know when I read the Bible as a kid, I, I remember reading about these people. You read about Moses, you read about Elijah, you read these stories, and you're going, man, I that would be cool. Like if I could be in that, like like look at all these priests who are evil and go, yeah, let's have a showdown on the mountain. Let's go, right? We'll just put this offering up there. You can douse mine with water. It don't matter what you do. God's going to rain fire down. I mean, like that's a great story. That's one you'll live with for the rest of your life. You know what I'm talking about? Like that, that's on your, when you meet people for the first time, you're like, yeah, I called fire down one time and God just rained fire down, right? Like today, I'll give you an example. My wife called me today. A hawk picked up my dog. Like, that's a horrible situation, but at the same time, that's a story I'll have for the rest of my life. My little Jack Russell Chihuahua getting picked up by a hawk. He was on a leash. He's okay, okay. I don't want anybody to freak out, but I mean, that's a great story. That's going to be great with students one day. They're going to love to hear that. But it's one of those things. We want to be involved in a great story. And what a great story that we have, that God desires to be with us. And not treat us as subservient, but to treat us as friend, and yet totally be different than us. And so I, I want to teach you some practical ways tonight to, to hear God. And I, I wa- also want to try and take away some of the mysticism from hearing God. Because I think sometimes when, you, when somebody tells you, God told me this, you kind of go, all right, what, like, did you go up on a mountain and throw some stuff around? Like, you, did you have some incense blowing? Like, what in the world happened in order to hear from God? And, and I don't think it's that difficult to process. I don't think it's this mystical process that, you know, you got to be some wise, old, bald monk to figure out, okay? I think it's simple. I think God wanted people to connect with him, so he made it simple for us. He's helping us. And so I, I want to help you 
but I also want to just let you know, this isn't going to be difficult what I'm going to say to you. It's not going to be life-changing. I don't think anybody's going to walk out of this room and go, you know what, JC said something tonight, it totally changed my whole life. I, I think you've heard everything I'm about to tell you from somebody else. But I want to also share with you some experiences from my own life that may help you understand, maybe this is how it works a little more mechanically uh, for, the, for those of us who aren't as artistic, okay? Uh, so first of all, hearing God takes practice. It takes practice. How many of you have been married for more than 15 years? Please raise your hand. First of all, congratulations. Way to go. That's awesome. How many of you would say you have this whole communication thing down with your spouse? Those of you who've been married for 15 years or more. Anybody want to raise their hand on that one? I didn't think so. Now, how many of you would say my communication with my spouse is much better today than it used to be? Doesn't mean she's telling you you're awesome all the time, right? That's not what I mean by your communication is good. It just means y'all can connect, right? It's, it's good. So it takes practice. It takes practice. I've known Kristen for more than 15 years, which for me, that's like half my life, okay? So that's a significant amount of time to know another human being. 15 years is a long time. I'm just scratching the surface of what it means to know her, of what it means to communicate with her. And I'll tell you this, God's changing both of us. We're becoming different people. We're having conversations. I, I remember being married and having a dream one day to have uh, foster kids, to, to adopt kids. Kristen was not on board with that at all. Do you think I brought that up all the time? No, I didn't bring that up all the time. But eventually Kristen had God speak to her and go, I think this is something we need to do. It's awesome watching that change happen. And it's happening in me. And I'll tell you what, I hope that you know our pastors are human beings. I hope you know that all of us struggle. I hope like you understand we're trying to figure this whole God thing out like you guys are. We're, we're journeying alongside you. We're, we're not the, the wise sages of, of all this. Now, God's called us to be leaders, which is frightening, honestly, at my age to be a leader of you men. Like, this is scary. But this is what God has called me to do. I have confidence in God's call more than my ability. But I will just tell you, it takes practice from hearing, hearing God. What, how do you practice? Any of you guys play sports or music uh, growing up? Anybody? You can raise your hand. It's okay. Now, I'm not going to call on you to uh, tell me a story. But I remember playing baseball. My dad was a, a baseball player in high school. I played baseball almost my whole life. And then I grew up and stopped playing baseball. And it was like, it takes a lot of people to get a baseball game together. I, what, did I waste my whole life playing baseball? What in the world? But I remember I, I could not hit a curveball. I, I, man, you give me a fastball, I could put it anywhere on the field I needed to put it. I could put it, uh, I could put it on the right side if we got somebody on second base. I could put it down the third baseline and beat out the throw. I knew what it took to hit a fastball. But I remember trying to hit a curveball was nuts. I mean, you got to discern as the ball is coming to you if it is spinning a different way, which again, as a 13-year-old, you're like, what in the, I got to watch the ball spin? What in the world? And you got to have patience. Hitting the fastball doesn't, doesn't have anything to do with patience. It has to do with reflex, right? So curveball is a totally different ball game. It's a different skill set. I didn't get trained how to hit a curveball initially. I got trained how to hit the ball when it's close to you. And so I had to learn a different skill, and it took practice. It took people throwing curveballs a whole lot and a whole lot of strikeouts to learn how to hit a curveball. And honestly, it took a lot of practice just not to swing at a curveball. It takes practice to hear from God. 
How do you get that practice? And I'll just give you two ways is make it as simple as possible. It's just like when you were learning how to play a sport or learn how to play an instrument. It's great if you have a coach. You need a coach, somebody who's been there before, somebody who can help you, somebody who can teach you what to do. But then you need repetition. You need reps. You know, you guys that watch sports, you know, they talk about muscle memory all the time. How they make that catch? Oh, it's muscle memory, which I'm like, my muscles don't remember anything. I wake up, the ne- they remember when I work out too hard, right? And I'm sore getting up. That's when, that's when I remember muscle memory. But I know that when you have those reps, it does, your body changes. It adapts to what you're learning. You're practicing those things. And so when it comes to hearing God, it's about that. It's about getting the reps in. It really is about learning the language of God. And how do you do that? You read his word. And listen, I think there's tremendous ways to learn from God in, in other capacities. But I will tell you, if somebody tells me they heard something from God and I ask them, when's the last time they read God's word? And they said, uh, I would immediately hesitate and go, I don't know you're hearing God. God's word is the true source that we have of his words to human beings. It's reliable. And when I say reliable, it's more reliable than me. It's more reliable than things that I think about life. It's more reliable than the the things that I want to be involved in. And it gives you so many different perspectives. It gives you the perspective of history. It gives you the perspective of narrative, of story. It gives you the perspective of poetry. I'm not a poet, right? But I know what it's like to feel. And I know when I read David, when he writes some Psalms, I know I've felt that before. I have felt that anger before. I have felt that frustration before. I have felt the, where can I go from your presence, Lord? I felt those things. You got prophets telling you the future, telling you the way to live, speaking the very words of God to God's people. And it takes practice. You got to get your reps in. So my first question for you guys tonight is this. How many reps are you getting in? Simple. And listen, no judgment here, right? But I'll just tell you, I can guarantee you, you're going to be better if you get your reps in. You ever heard a coach tell you, yeah, don't worry about practice. Not that important. Just show up on game day. Anybody? No, practice matters. It absolutely matters. You know, somebody, I remember we got, we got a guy who loves these WWJD braces. Sorry, always give him a hard time. I, I, that was the thing when I was a kid. What would, what would Jesus do, Right. And the problem with what would Jesus do is that you're not doing anything Jesus would do up until you need that bracelet. And then you're going, what would Jesus do? And you got no idea what Jesus would actually do in that situation because you hadn't put any reps in. You don't know what Jesus would do in that situation. And I think if you've been with us during this life of Jesus, sometimes you go, why did he do that? I mean, why, why did you? I mean, Jesus wasn't nice to those people. If he wants people to follow him, that's not the way to do it. He could be nicer to people. He could be more convincing. He could do maybe some more miracles on the different side of town, right? But Jesus wasn't concerned about those things. But once you learn who God is, once you begin to understand more about him, these reps really do begin to help you understand, I'm speaking a different language. Like it's a whole different thing. You know, Perry uses the phrase to say the difference between a a human life and a spiritual life. And it's true. I mean, I, I don't know, the verse that stuck out to me the most from this past Sunday was when Jesus said, you have no authority over me. Now, please understand, Jesus is arrested at this point and on trial. That is not how you get out of the trial. That is not how you get out innocent, to look at the judge and go, dude, you, you don't even matter in the scheme of things. 
God's going to do what he's going to do. And it's true. That's God's language coming out from Jesus Christ. He knew who he was. He knew what God had called him to do. Nothing was going to distract him, even the opportunity to get out of that situation. And I love that. And I just love that. First Samuel 3 gives us a great example of that. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but Samuel was this boy who was basically a miraculous birth. Hannah was crying at the temple, praying to God. The priest thought that she was drunk. Uh, he goes up to talk to her and figures out, no, this is something that she's praying about. God uh, gave Hannah a child named Samuel. She made a deal with God that if she had a child, she would give him to the Lord. And so God gave her a child and she had to hand him over to the temple priest. Which again, sometimes we pray and ask God for something and don't necessarily understand what we're really praying for. Samuel gets handed over to Eli in the middle of the night. Samuel hears a voice that says, Samuel. Samuel gets up, goes to Eli. Eli, what's going on? Eli goes, what, what are you talking about, dude? Go back to sleep. What are you waking me up for? He said, I heard a voice. I thought it was you. Goes back to sleep. Samuel again, sleeping. Gets woken up. Says, Samuel. Gets up, runs to Eli's room again. Samuel goes, Eli, why do you keep calling me? Eli's like, dude, I'm not calling you. But check this out. Next time, if that happens again, just tell God your servant is listening and then see what happens. Samuel's like, okay. I mean, he's a kid, right? Who, who, it's a kid. Who cares, right? What, just tell him something to go back to sleep, right? Goes back to sleep, literally woken up again. Samuel. And Samuel says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then God gives this little boy a prophecy to speak over Eli, the priest. What I love about that story is, one, that God speaks to anyone, and two, that Samuel didn't know how at first. He didn't know that was God. He didn't know that was God's voice. He didn't understand who God was, but he had somebody to help him. And Eli helped him and said, hey, maybe it's God speaking to you. Maybe it's God speaking to you. And so it takes practice. I'll also tell you this, hearing God should always, 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 always be accompanied by God's word. Always. Have any of you in this room ever made a bad decision? But at the time you thought it was a smart decision. Anybody not done that? Let me just see if there's hands for not done that before. Okay, okay, cool. So here's the thing. I believe all of us are sincere in our desire to know God. I don't think there's anybody in this room that's like, I don't really care if I know God. or Like, I, I really don't think that. I think all of you showed up tonight because you desire to know God better. You desire to know him more. But here's the thing. All of us have done things we thought were smart at one time or another, and they turned out to be wrong. Maybe we had bad information, right? Maybe our feelings were just wrong. Maybe somebody stabbed us in the back. There's a hundred things that could have happened, right? But the information we had, we made a decision, okay? You have a source of information that is the very word of God. And sometimes we would rather make decisions based on our own volition and feelings rather than God's. Now, I just want to be clear with you. Sometimes the decisions don't make any sense, even when God says, this is what you do, okay? They don't make sense to us. 
walk around a city several times and then blow your horns at it. That's bad military strategy. You would probably get kicked out if you were a commanding officer and that was your strategy that you came, guys, here's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna walk around their camp and then yell at them, defeated, right? Not gonna happen, but that's what happened because God said it to be so, okay? There's even archeological evidence that the walls fell, how? Outward, why? Because if they would have been sieged, where would they have fallen? Inward. But upon yelling, outward, which is nuts. I mean, how do you explain that one as an as a atheist archaeologist? I, I got no idea how you explain that. Why would they fall outward? That, like maybe if the city was on fire and they were trying to run out, maybe. But there's no evidence at all of that. So it's crazy, right? So I'm going to tell you a story of what this looks like from my own life. Now, my dad's a blue-collar guy. Uh, he makes precision medical parts. He works with a company called Smith & Nephew. been working there for years and years. My dad's tatted up on both sides. Uh, he's a motorcycle guy. He builds Harley-Davidson's in the garage. Uh, he's got a 58 Panhead and a 2009 Ultra Glide, so him and my mom can ride in the mountains together comfortably. Uh, my dad is blue-collar as the day is long, okay? Always taught me to make wise decisions, always. He did not make wise decisions as his young self. And so I remember being a first grader and my dad looking at me and going, son, you're going to college. I'm in first grade. Like I I barely know how to write my name yet. And it's only two letters. So that's a big deal. Right. But he said, son, you're going to college one day. And I I remember it. He would say it all the time to me because my dad did not go to college. I remember I wanted my first job. And I found a sweet office gig because, you know, you're at church. You know lots of people, right? So I remember like, hey, I got this sweet office gig set up for the summertime, Dad. Will you let me work that job? And he said, no, you ain't gonna work that job. He said, I'll find a job for you. I was like, dang. (laughs) Because I know what kind of job my dad's gonna get for me. So I was installing commercial kitchen equipment in schools with no air conditioning uh, and restaurants that were nasty for the first two, three summers of my high school career. Nuts, okay? Taught me a lot of stuff about work. Taught me a lot of stuff about getting your, getting your nose dirty. And I remember those checks coming in like, I earned this check. This is 100% my sweat equity in this check. Like this is for sure my money, right? But I remember that is my dad. That is my family. We do things the right way. We open the door for ladies. We treat them with respect. We don't talk bad to mom. If we talk bad to mom, you answer to dad. And dad has a leather belt and tattoos, you know what I'm saying? So like, it's a big deal. It's a big deal at my house. And so I remember being in college, I was working as a supervisor at UPS. And I, you know, I felt like I was called to ministry in high school. Advice I got was go do something else, go, go get schooling and something else. Because if God called you to ministry, you'll, go, you'll be in ministry. If God did not call you to ministry, well, at least you'll have a job and don't have a Bible degree. So that's a good thing. Uh, and so that was the advice I got from my youth pastors. And so that's what I did. I was working as a super, which you guys, FedEx is a big Memphis thing, right? So it's like FedEx, UPS all the time. But I, I was working at the hub to work at, at UPS. Uh, Memphis gets triple the amount of packages than any other city in the world. It's the distribution capital of the world. Okay. So I'm literally set up in the best hub in the entire world, pretty much. That is what we do all the time. I knew every zip code, every state, right? I'm working hard, blue collar family. Graduate from school. I got this girl. 
I know God wants us to get married, and I know I'm supposed to go to South Carolina from other conversations I've had with God. Couldn't find a job. I'd fly here every single month. Six months before I graduated college, I'd fly every month to South Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina, trying to find a job. Couldn't find one. Got to the second interview every single time. It went the same way. Uh, You guys know this second interview, okay? What's your career goals? Well, my goals are to make enough money to go back to school, be a good dad, be a good husband, and then I'm out. Once I get enough money to go to school, I'm going to school, and then I'm going to work in a church somewhere. Every conversation was the same. And so you got these execs going, you can't hire this guy, and rightfully so, right? Like, rightfully so. It was, I graduated December 2007, January of 2008, I fly to, to a place. They actually had a, a VP come in and talk to me. And the hiring guy said, who is this guy? Can you explain? We just need your help in this situation. Looking at my resume, I'm working at this awesome hub. I graduated a semester early from college. I graduated with honors. Why can't you just hire me? I'll be the best employee you got for like two years. And I'm out, right? We, we can't do that. Well, why not? I, I'm going to work better and harder than all the rest of your guys. Like, just let me come in and show them what to do. Mm-mm. Well, what are you going to do with your life? Well, here's what I'm going to do, right? Same thing, over and over and over. And I remember back on that plane ride, distraught. God, I'm, I've done what you called me to do. I'm, I'm making good grades, followed your advice, wise advice but from these youth pastors to do something else. I'm working at the best place I can think of to work at. They love me there. They don't want me to leave. I know you've called me to go to South Carolina. What are you doing? I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand it. I don't get it. So I'm crying on the way home on the flight, right? People are probably thinking, what in the world is wrong with this kid? I get home, sitting on the pot, because that's where I spend my time with God in the morning, okay? If that's sacrilegious for you, I'm sorry, but that's where I spend my time with God. You're alone, and you usually spend a little bit of time there. You know what I'm saying? So I'm reading, and I'm reading the story of Abraham, and God, look, God looks at Abraham, and he says, hey, go. Not where, not how, leave this place. And I was like, ooh, is that what you're telling me to do? And God was like, yeah, I'm telling you to do that. I was like, that's not going to go over well with my parents, God. Like my parents are blue collar to a T. They don't make unwise decisions. This seems like a very unwise decision. And I didn't get anything after that. I was like, oh. so I, I remember I went to my mom. I said, hey, mom, I'm, I'm supposed to move to South Carolina. She said, yeah, I know. I said, I hadn't found a job yet. I said, yeah, I know. I think God's telling me to move, quit my job, leave this place and go over there and find a job. Oh, she was mad. She was mad. She, she loves her boy, right? It, I don't think it was wrong for her to be mad. She was just mad. Told my dad, he was, he was confused, you know, frustrated. Why would you do that? I don't understand. And more of it for him was not necessarily frustration at the situation, but how could a loving God ask you to make an unwise decision? That was his conundrum, okay? But I remember, I remember having a conversation with God, and I'm just going to get as raw and as real as I can have a conversation with you guys, okay? I asked God, God, what are you, I told you this was going to happen. I told you. Never say I told you to God. That's a horrible idea. But I told you this was going to happen. Listen, I know your word, I know that you want my relationship with my parents to be in a good place. I'm not going to leave unless it is. So if you really want me to move and quit my job and do something that we all think is weird, you're going to have to change their mind. 
which I knew was impossible, okay? It was kind of like a trump card, right? Like there's no way that my mom especially is going to change her mind. And there's no way that my dad, even if she changed her mind, is going to be convinced by anything she said. I'm like, trump card, 100%. I'm out of this thing. I'll just find a job, right? Like uh, I'll be safe. Two days later, my mom comes to me and she goes, hey, JC, you know, I've been talking with God and I, I think you, you should go. And then it's like, oh, geez, now I've got it. Now I actually have to go. Like now I have to quit the job because now my mom knows she's going to know I disobey God if I stay here, right? And I can't have that on my shoulders. Like as a young man, I need something better than that on my shoulders. So I did. I, I, I went to my boss at UPS and I said, hey, God's told me I need to leave. I don't have a job yet. I was trying to get a job with UPS. I, I, I need to leave. And so I'm giving my two weeks notice. And he goes, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I said, I can guarantee you, you'll hear dumber things in your lifetime than what I just said to you. He's an unbelievable boss. I love that man. Uh, but I remember him saying that to me. Uh, and I will tell you this, could not find a job, could not find a job, could not find a job. Okay, I moved here, lived with a guy named Josh Bradley, lived in his basement for a while. I knew him from Memphis. Uh, my car broke down the first day uh, as I was trying to get to an interview, which, you know, I was like, God, you're awesome. I love you so much, right? No, I was frustrated and mad. I got here, uh, was interviewing at a bunch of different places. Again, second interview, horrible, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Had one on a Friday, bad interview. Friday comes, I get to a place and it was bad. Come home, Josh Bradley looks at me and goes, hey, how'd it go? I was like, not good, dude. I'm getting married. This is like March at this time, right? Uh, And I'm supposed to be getting married in May. I don't have a place to live. I'm living in a dude's basement, right? I'm doing premarital counseling with Lenny Miller. And he had to go ask Josh Bradley, like, what is up with this JC guy? He doesn't have a job. He seems like a great guy but doesn't have a job, doesn't have a place to live. He wants to get married. What's going on there, right? All wise, great questions, right? I'm freaking out on the inside. But Josh Bradley goes, hey, we're going out to eat. Do you want to come? And I was like, no, dude, I'm out. I'm going to sulk in the basement. I'm going to be mad all day. That's what I'm going to do. That's my plan for today after my job interviews, okay? And he said, well, we're going to this place. They got an all-you-can-eat wing buffet. I was like, change of plans. Feel great. Let's go. I'm all in, right? So I went to Wild Wing Cafe. Uh, he was actually trying to meet with the children's pastor here at, at Brookwood. They, they had been working here for a little bit and didn't really get a chance to connect yet. And so uh, he sat at the table, asked how things were going, and eventually said, you know, we've been trying to hire this role. And we hadn't been able to fill it. And of course, I'm, you know, as I'm like, got barbecue sauce all over my face, right? I'm like, really, a role, huh? Let me hear about that role. We need somebody who's uh, can do some video graphic design. They can teach. Uh, they love kids. They're passionate. I can teach them some things. And I would honestly prefer it if they were on the younger side. And I was like, boom, 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 boom. I got that, right? So Josh is like, hey, let me talk to you at the wing bar. And I looked at his wife and I said, we've never met before. I'm a complete stranger to you. And this may seem really weird, but at the risk of it being weird, I'm going for it. I could do everything your husband just said, and I desperately need a job. So I would love to interview for that position. And at the same time, Josh is talking to Ned and just going, hey, here's, here's this kid at this table. He's, he's, I think he could do a great job. And so that started the process for me. And I'll tell you this, this is one of the craziest things. My, my mom has a little bit of prophecy in her, okay? So she told me, well, what are you going to do if UPS calls? Because there was a sales rep job in Greenville, South Carolina. From the day I knew I was supposed to be here, that job was open. I could never talk to anybody at, at the UPS hub in Greenville. Anybody. We had VPs at UPS trying to get in touch with these people. We just couldn't find them. 
And for whatever reason, didn't happen. I don't know if emails, if God blocked emails or whatever. But I, I accepted the job at Brookwood and I called my mom. I said, hey, I got a job. I'm gonna have a place to live. It's gonna be great. God came through. This is awesome. She said, what are you gonna do if UPS calls you? I said, well, I took a job. I mean, the chances of UPS calling me are nuts. I hadn't talked to him at all about this position. And so she said, well, I just wanted to know, you know, it's a chance that they call you at some point, which I'm like, no, there's no, literally I've talked to no one for six months. There's no way that they would call me. The next day I wake up to a phone call from UPS Greenville and the guy goes, hey, uh, we got this job open and we hear that you're interested. Would you like it? And I remember going, like the shock on my face had to be just, it just had to be crazy looking because I'm going, how in the world did this happen? And I remember hearing God whisper to me, one job is not a big deal for me. Uh, And I remember feeling secure and safe in my daddy's arms uh, that he didn't just have one job. He had two jobs and probably had more up his sleeve if I needed them. Um, But I'm so thankful for that experience. One, because it taught me God can be trusted. And two, that when you take the time to learn how to hear from him, it will change your life. Uh, and I'm thankful. I've been able to talk, teach kids here. It'll be 10 years in March, at the end of March. They hired me the day before April Fool's Day, which I'm very thankful for, uh, that they did not hire me on April Fool's Day because uh, that would have been a cruel joke. But I'm so thankful for that. Uh, and, and I want to share just one more thing for you. I, I, these are real practical, and then I want to give you an opportunity to work, okay? So one, there are tools to help you know God more, some real tools, okay? I'm a guy. I love tools, Okay. They're awesome, but I want to give you a couple. And again, these aren't, these aren't earth-shattering or anything like that, but I, I just want to give them to you. You need to study Bible. I deal with kids a lot, so you need a Bible that you can actually understand and is not heretical, okay? Those are two very important things, okay? Because if they're not teaching God's Word in the proper way, that's a big deal, okay? There, there's a, a translation of the Bible out there. Several years ago, they decided to change all of the male and female pronouns, to make them gender neutral, I would say that's real close to heretical to do that, okay? I would probably not trust that translation, all right? They recently took that translation out of print again, which I'm very thankful for, but that, that's a big deal. There are translations of the Bible that do that, okay? So pick up one that you can understand, pick up one that uh, is not heretical, okay? We use the NLT to teach from here. We think it's a real easy one to read. I like to study through the ESV. It is more accurate, but more difficult to read, okay? So just pick one that works for you. I recommend a study Bible that has great notes, but also know those are human beings writing those notes, not inspired by God in the same way that those authors were, so just take it with a grain of salt, okay? Commentaries. I love commentaries. I love old dead guys. Generally, that's a prerequisite for me to have a good commentary. You must have been old and dead. Uh, And so uh, generally, those things stand the test of time. If you died and can't sell your book anymore, and it's still around and people still read it, that's a good sign. It's a good book, okay? Uh, So those are are ones that I try. I'll just tell you uh, one that is not on my old dead guy list, but he is a little older. Uh, John MacArthur has a great commentary set. Uh, He's not dead yet. Maybe he'll last for several more decades. I'm hoping so. Guy's real smart, but he tries to be very, very accurate. Uh, he's a little heavy-handed, but he's, he's real accurate. Uh, so I recommend that. Uh, dictionaries. Uh, dictionaries. 
You guys know we speak with a southern dialect, so sometimes you need a dictionary even to understand some of the things we're saying. Uh, but dictionaries are good. Uh, they help you understand. I'll give you an easy example of this. Uh, there's a whole, you know, you take these translations of words and they, they move in different directions. There's a whole her- heretical teaching about what the word translated only begotten means. The word only begotten in John three sixteen. that's a mistranslation that they will use in a particular way, right? To, to talk about Jesus wasn't really God. He became God when he got baptized, and that word begotten means he was conferred all the things that God has onto him. That's a lie, right? Jesus has been God from the beginning. When God created the world, there are plural pronouns talking about the creation of the world. It's not I and me, it is we and us, and, and that's who created the world. God, Jesus Christ, has been God from the beginning of time, but that's a translation of the word. So sometimes it is important to just dive in and go, what do these words really mean? Okay. And then concordance, concordance. I tell you one I'm working through now, anger. I had a lot of people tell me about their righteous anger over a bunch of stuff. And I'll just tell you straight up, most of our anger is not righteous. In fact, I would say a fraction of our anger is righteous. And if you tell me you were righteously angry about something, I can pretty much probably break that down for you real quick about how there's something in you or in me that causes us to be angry. And most of the time it ain't righteous, okay? So Jesus mentioned it one time and we all agree Jesus was righteous and we only get it because he was, right? So it's an important thing to understand. So I'm working through anger right now because that's my own thing I'm trying to work through, okay? I'm trying to figure that out and really figure out what the Bible says, try and find a way to fix it, honestly. If God will change me in that, I would love that, to never be angry. Um, And also realize this, there's no perfect tool. The only perfect thing that we got is God's word. He gave it to us. Um, And that's a huge thing for me. And I I also want to share a couple books with you. Uh, These are books. This is actually the first book I ever recommended to Perry, which has, I think I was like 24 at the time. This is a scary proposition, recommending a book to somebody as smart as Perry. But I recommended this book. It's a very academic read, uh, and it's not a fast read, okay? Uh, But it's a good read, and I recommend it. I've given several copies of this book away. It's called Hearing God by Dallas Willard. Dallas uh, has passed. Um, Dallas is uh, just a, a great guy. I love Dallas. Uh, I, I've read every one of the books that he's written. Um, but Hearing God, Developing a Conversational Relationship with God. And then this is a new one a buddy of mine gave me uh, called Hearing God in Conversation. It's a new one to me. The book itself is not new. Um, but this is a little easier read. Uh, and you're not going to find yourself stuck on one page for 20 minutes in this one. But the concepts and principles are right on, spot on stuff. So those are a couple things to get started. Uh, and then I'll just tell you, best thing you can do is read God's word and ask some questions. Uh, the stupider the question, usually the more insight you get. Um, it, it's amazing to me some of these things that Perry says sometimes because you go, that's genius. But it started with a dumb question, right? Like, Oh yeah, Jesus said that. Why did he say you have no authority over me? Now, we all know because he's God's son, but why did he say that to Pontius Pilate at the time? Because Pontius Pilate didn't know he was God's son. So when he said, hey, I'm, a whole, I'm on a whole nother level than you, dude, and what you, you may think you're in control, you ain't in control. You're just not. And so why did he say that? Why, why did he use those particular words? You start with that question, God, why, why is this in here? And why are things not in here? Like, why is this not talked about? Okay, I think those are crucial. So 
Uh, so want to just give you just real quick. These are just things that are practice for you. It gives you a piece of scripture, gives you an opportunity to read. Uh, it gives you an opportunity to reflect and it gives you some questions. Okay. It kind of gives you some things to talk through and think about. And then after that, it also gives you some time to respond to God in prayer. Uh, man, I, I'd love for you guys to take some time to work through some, some of those things and, and do that. Tom, I don't know how much time we got left. Huh? Oh, as much as I need. Don't tell me that, dude. (laughs) But I'll tell you this. Here's what I'd love to see happen before you leave tonight. Because I I got young kids at home. I know anytime you get away from home, you're already thinking about your wife and is the house on fire? Did your dog get picked up by a hawk? Right? I know you got lots of things on your mind, right? So I know your time is valuable, okay? But I want to implore you. You have an opportunity tonight to take an exercise and learn to hear from God a little bit better. So I want to implore you before you leave to take that opportunity. And then I would suggest to you get around the guys with your table and maybe each of you take a different one and then come back to the table and go, hey, what'd you learn from your piece of paper? Here's what I learned from my piece of paper. And then take your piece of paper home and work with them with your family or with somebody you know from work. Okay. It's easy to just get with your kid. And I, I want to do this because I'm the family pastor, okay? So I, I want to make sure I talk about family in here, okay? You need to spend time reading God's word with your family, okay? If you want your kids to know who God is, they're not going to learn it from any other place than God's word. And you are the most important influence in that kid's life. You can't just drop them off here and expect them to know Jesus, because they're going to have questions when they get a little older. I deal with teenagers a lot, okay? And they're going, to read, they're going to be in the same place that I was. I'm reading what's in this Bible, but then I look at these other places and go, what's going on? Why doesn't this make sense to me, okay? And you're going to have to answer those questions because I'm going to tell them, go ask your mom and dad why it looks different, okay? Uh, but I, I encourage you, if you don't know how to do that, okay, I want to help you. JC, I would love to pray for my kid, but it's awkward and weird. Yes, it is, okay? Uh, we've been, you know, Perry talks about this transformation prayer. I don't love calling it transformation prayer because, again, it's like you're on a, a bald monk on a mountain, right? It makes it this magical thing. It's just prayer with another human being. I've seen kids walk in my office, and we pray, and they hear from God, and they're changed. And when I say changed, I mean different. I had a kid this week, literally this week. This is a 19-year-old kid, right? He comes up to me. I have known this kid almost the entire time that I've been here at Brookwood. Every time I've ever said hello to this kid, he looks at me and he goes, I go, how you doing? He goes, eh. Or sometimes he'll go, horrible. Every time. Comes up to me Sunday, first of all, has a smile on his face. The only time I see a smile on this kid's face is when he's got a girl he likes, right? Got a smile on his face. I'm going, dude, what is wrong with you? What's up with you? He goes, life is great. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, man, ever since we prayed, I've been reading God's word. I've been praying. God has changed me. He said, we serve a wondrous God, which I was like, do you even know what you're saying? Like, who are you? What's wrong with you? We had a kid who got scared by a video game, came in. We prayed. We prayed. Please, not transformation prayer. We prayed. You know what happened to that kid? Jesus is right behind me. He got his hands on my shoulder which of course I'm like, you know, I'm balling, you know, I'm supposed to hold it together, right? I'm the pastor. I'm bawling my eyes out. What do you mean Jesus is behind you? Mom's in the room. Mom's bawling her eyes out. Little sister, she's three years old. She doesn't know what's going on. Kid's bawling his eyes out. We're all crying. Is he saying anything to you? He's saying, yeah, you don't have to be afraid. I am with you. Dried up, saw this kid this Sunday. He was at the baptism service. I said, hey, you've been scared? He goes, I'm not scared of anything. 
God is real and he speaks. And I would love to see you have that experience with your kids. Because let me just tell you, if there's one thing I want written on my gravestone, a man who knew God. And I hope that my, my wife, I hope that my kids, when they get to stand up and talk about their dad to other people, they can talk about whatever they want, right? They're gonna have fun hawk stories to talk about, right? But I hope and pray I've lived my life in a way to show them I knew God. I knew God. We did some crazy stuff, but dad knew God. And so my hope for you would be quit trying to be a hero and instead be somebody who follows Jesus and sits in front of your kids and talks to God together, okay? And I believe that. Let me pray for you, and then I'd love you guys to work through these exercises, okay? Let's pray. Got to pray for these men. God, they're so beaten down by culture. God, the amount of times that I hear how bad men are is ridiculous. God, you created us in your image. You gave us a leadership role. God, you created us with the capacity to hear you, to obey you, and to follow you and lead other people along the way. God, I pray that you empower these men. God, I pray that your spirit that indwells them will rise up more than their flesh. And God, I pray that you would speak with clarity. I pray that your word would be enough. God, I pray that you would completely change and transform these men as they spend time in your word, hearing you in every avenue of their life. God, I pray that you'd make time for them. God, if they've got to get sick to have a break, God, I pray that you'd make them sick. God, if they've got to have a perfect weather day, I pray that you'd give them a perfect weather day. God, if they've got to have the best cup of coffee in order to spend time with you, God, I pray that somehow you'd miraculously send the perfect barista here that can make them the best cup of coffee that they need. God, whatever it takes to get them in your word and with you, God, I pray that you'd make that happen. God, I pray for their families. I pray that these men would go home and pray for their kids, pray with their kids that they'd pray with their spouse. And God, we know how awkward that is. But God, you designed us to lead. I pray that you'd give these men the bravery, the courage, the passion, and the drive to lead their families to be followers of Jesus. God, give us a big vision. Give us a big plan. Give us an adventure that we can enjoy as we follow you. And God, I pray as they read your word tonight that you'd speak vividly to them, that they'd go home and share with their spouse and with their family and with their friends how real you truly are, that you are a wondrous, miracle-working God who wants to speak to his people. Jesus, we love you. We are so thankful for the lives that you've given us, and we pray that you continue to grow us, you continue to change us, and you continue to move us where you want us to go. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray these things. Amen. Well, what a great message. Very practical and uh, quite relevant as we seek to pursue a relationship with Jesus. If you are encouraged by this message, you can learn more about our men's ministry and other adult ministries at Brookwood by visiting brookwoodchurch.org forward slash adults or on the Brookwood Church app. Thanks for listening and have a great week.